0: Welcome back to our listeners. You are tuning into the boardroom for women. I am your host, Lori Kreese. Today, I have with us Kathy Walterhouse, founder and chief empower of the professional rule breaker. I love it, love it, love it. Emp- professional uh, rule breaking is awesome. And chief empower, this show is all about empowerment ladies to keep your business rolling, have those key takeaways, aha moments, start off your day by listening to other women's experiences that can really charge you. Today's topic is stop being scared to sell. So welcome, Kathy.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I'm happy to be here.
0: I am really happy to have you here. And for me, it's a little bit earlier in the morning on a weekend. And do you know, when I look at your topic, stop being scared to sell, I still have, you know, work week vibes going on here. I can't (laughs) help it. I'm like that natural born salesperson, my mom, you know, that old, old saying, you can sell ice to Eskimos. Well, I think that was true when I was little, you know, knocking on doors, selling a Unneeded Christmas cards and people just bought them anyway, so I could win prizes. <laughs> 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 and it kind of still goes today with my life. So Kathy, tell us a little bit about you, and um, we'll dive into the topic. Stop being scared to sell. People are scared to ask and close the deal, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. It, uh, they they certainly are. But it's interesting that you started talking about like when you were little and you were selling. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't get is that we're selling all the time. And it starts from when we're very, very little like for me, I can vividly remember going door to door and selling Girl Scout cookies because I really, really, really wanted to go to the Girl Scout camp. And I don't even remember how many hundreds of boxes. I would have to sell them. At that time, nobody was at the grocery store selling them. You literally had to knock on every single door. But I just want people to think about selling in a different way, because I actually think that selling is something that makes the world go around. A lot of things would stop without selling. And But let me just kind of backtrack a little bit, because I think the reason that people are scared to sell comes from probably about three or four different things first off it's almost like an imposter syndrome it's almost like why would anybody if you're a business owner and you're new and you're starting out you may think why would anyone ever want to buy from me is what i have to sell worth selling to someone it's that self-doubt and you know imposter syndrome is something that is very common especially among high achievers they say it happens about 70 to 80 percent of all high achievers and i know even myself i've had that and i've sold you know i'm a sales expert and i've sold close to a billion dollars but i didn't start off that way you know you start when you're selling one step at a time and you have to get over that fear of selling. So again, it's imposter syndrome. I think another thing that makes people scared of selling is their experience to people selling to them. I think most everyone, including me, has an experience of somebody being really slimy, trying to sell to you. They're hammering you over the head. They're not listening to you. They're literally violating every kind of sacred rule there is to selling because they're only looking out for themselves. They're looking out for the transaction, the commission that they're going to get. And a lot of it is They just don't know how to sell. Or maybe their boss said, this is how you do it. So, you know, that's, that makes it a lot harder. It gives sales a bad name. Just know that's only like one type of selling. There's really like four types of selling, but that's one type of selling, you know, slimy selling. The slimy selling cousin is spammy selling. Spammy selling is, you know, you're just constantly You know, if if you're on social media pinging people, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, or even just sending emails or having these phone calls, just saying, buy my stuff, buy myself, stuff. Very similar to slimy selling. You're not listening to the customer. You're not really finding out much about them. You are um, just only concerned about yourself. And then the third one I kind of mentioned a little bit in the beginning is a lot of people think. That they don't know how to sell. But you are selling every single day. Anytime you come into contact, unless you're like a monk or something, and you're, you know, you're you're tucked away and you don't have exposure to anybody, you are always selling. You're selling to your neighbor, you're selling to somebody that you're dating. You are selling when you go to the restaurant. What you're doing is, like, let's take for example, like you're dating someone, you're selling yourself to that other person. You're proving to them how great you are. You're listening to that other person. You're engaging them in a conversation. You're trying, in many cases, to help people. And that's what selling is all about. And I think if people, if you kind of step back and go, okay. You're right, you know, I was selling. Even like if you have kids, you want the kids to clean the room. Now what do you think you're doing? You're selling them all the benefits of what a clean room would do for them. And um, so again, just kind of reframe it. And then the easiest way is to kind of change the focus from selling and change it to the customer. Once you flip that script, you flip that focus to the customer, everything becomes a lot easier. And if you have an imposter syndrome or you're really scared when in are selling, if you focus on the customer, everything will change for you. If you listen to the customer and start asking them questions, things will change for you.
0: I have a lot to, I made lots of notes here. Um, <laughs> I know selling. that was a mouthful, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> right. You're selling every day. And number one sales tool is you're selling yourself before your product, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about trusted relationships and it is about the long haul. And um, I'm going to use myself as an example, 15 year entrepreneur. And my space has been the event marketing space. Also, you know, during a p- pandemic, what do you do when your events business, no, no contact, right, uh, is shut down during a pandemic? Well, you start a podcast, you learn new tech, you reach out, and you continue to push out content, and that's your community outreach. And then I started really connecting with all these women it grew into the radio station, but before my life, before that was advertising newspapers. Um, I was in, in newspapers. So I have recently gone back to work full time. It's just the right time for me. Um, of course I still run my business, but because of the pandemic and all of the shifts and struggles I saw with events, I've scaled that part of my business down a lot. So I went back into advertising and I'm actually now in broadcast and, um, you know, it, it's funny when I'm working with my what I call my new clients. They're they're long term relationships. They're new clients for my new job. But I first tapped into those long term relationships where they whether they bought a lot from me in the past or you know it's been kind of you know stagnant you know because of the pandemic et cetera. Those are still they open my email. They took my phone call because they've had a relationship with me over the years. So just because somebody is not in a position to buy from you right now, if you come across as more of an advisor and you listen, it's going to come back to you, whether it's from them or referrals, or again, them just asking you advice, it could lead into that sale. Because of this, some of the people that I went to, to talk about new products, even though it wasn't a right fit. They threw all kinds of referrals at me because again, that trusted relationship, if you can be, become a trusted advisor, you are selling if you are meeting their needs. I do want to ask you, and, and perhaps you want to uh, mention, you know, chime in on that. I, you know, I'm back to going to like chamber meetings and people stand up and they, they say what they're doing. And I've, I've also been on audio platforms where they're networking rooms. I have to tell you my biggest pet peeve. And maybe you can either reframe it because I heard you say reframe. I can't stand when they use "I help people," blah 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 blah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I help. Well, what if I don't know that I need help? What if I don't want help? And I don't think to me it puts me off. Like I don't need help. <laughs> I like an advisor. But I help businesses grow through blah, 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 blah. Why is that a pet peeve? Why does that bother me so much? Does it bother anybody else? I want them to use a different word.
1: That's a really interesting question. I never really thought about that. Because in essence, in sales, you are helping people to reach some sort of goal. To uh-huh. reach, you know, you know, the whole thing about what people want is they want pleasure. They want to move away from pain bottom line, that's really what it is. So when you are helping someone or you are working, see, I I look at it more in sales as you become their partner is what it is. Exactly what you said, their trusted advisor, their partner. You don't get there, especially if it's a large ticket sale, you don't get there instantly. It takes some time. You do have to become their trusted advisor. So how do you become their trusted advisor? First off, you don't go in there just trying to sell your stuff. You don't just go buy my stuff. You start asking questions. And you know, it's interesting because people go, well, I don't know what questions to ask. I get that a lot. And I kind of give them an image of like, for example, let's say you are in Alaska and you're on the water in Alaska, you see a glacier. You see this glacier. When you see that glacier, you're only seeing 20% of that glacier. 80% of that glacier is under the water. So when you initially do your research about the customer, or maybe have some you know, polite conversations with that customer, you're only seeing about 20%. So if you stay there, you will never, Never, never become the trusted advisor. So, what you have to do is you have to dig. You start asking questions. You listen to what they say. And when they say things to you, like one of the simplest things is like a lot of times people will say, you know, I want a lower price. Like for example, let's say you're meeting with them, whether it's via Zoom or in person, or even sometimes you'll get this via email. You know, I love your program, but I need a lower price or I want a lower price. So what you have to find out is, you know, the, uh, what they want is sitting at the 20%. The need is in the, underneath that 80%. What they might, like if they say they want a lower price, you know, why do they want that? That's what you need to start finding out. They might need to look good for their boss. They might need to, you know, fall within a certain budget. You know, they might need a, you know, probably 101 different reasons. So when you start digging and you listen to what it is that they're saying, and the easiest question to ask is when they say something to you is it's like, why would why? Tell me why. Tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me why. You you know, you want that. They will start talking about that. And if you don't pressure them, don't hammer them over the head. And if you bring resources to them, you know, something that you may have seen, you'll be seen as the industry leader. The minute you turn into the industry leader, not only that particular customer will start calling you, everyone else in that same space will start calling you. That customer will trust you they will send you referrals like what you said no they will send you referrals and i tell you what referrals are the best 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 lead and that don't you be possibly afraid get.
0: afraid to ask for referrals it's just right. in, in a certain way it's not like oh will you refer me to you know not have like a referral program necessarily if you don't want to be so bold to do that but it's like am i a trusted advisor do you know other business professionals mm-hmm. that could really use you know, this type of service? I mean, just frame it. And you were talking about sleazy sales. I mean, every pitch can be sleazy or it can be delicate. It mm-hmm. can be the right approach. And that's why I was like, I don't know why it bothers me so much. I help people do this. Well, I didn't know I needed help. <laughs> I mean, I love the word partner. You mentioned partner. If they just simply... Change that too. I partner with businesses who need this. Mm-hmm. I just would, I would think I would take it in a little bit differently. But I've also I've always called my clients my partners. Mm-hmm. I partner oh, with them. Absolutely. absolutely. Not my customer on the back end. I probably call them my client, but to them, they're my partners. They're my event partners, et cetera. And um, you know, as far as when it comes to price. You know, it is part of your job to lead them to recognize value. Don't undercut your value, especially. I mean, the, this, you know, you're talking about, you know, checking with your boss, et cetera, um, or they need to, you know, as since the show is designed a little bit more for the entrepreneur, you are that decision maker. You know, your value, have what I call, you know, rate card integrity. You know, if this is your price, You know, stick with it, help them realize what that value is. And maybe I also wouldn't be so structured that this is the package and this is it. Listen to people's needs, see what you can really weave in. I actually just sent an email to some people yesterday who were guests on my podcast. And yes, some of them said they wanted to repurpose their podcast, they wanted to be a host or they wanted to do a summit. Uh, they wanted to host a workshop, et cetera. And even though those fill in the blanks are still in the works, I just went back to them. I want to reach your network. We have a new app. I'd love to tap into your network. What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. Make sure you also give them something. Ask them what they need. Don't assume what they need. That's another big sales mistake is mm-hmm. That preconception of you think you know what your customer needs. Well, and that's
1: what what they're doing is they're sitting on the top twenty percent of that iceberg. Mm. Is when you make those assumptions, you're sitting on the top twenty percent. You have to be willing when you go in to meet with someone, you have to be willing to be open to all possibilities, because you don't know what's you know what truly their needs are and some of my biggest deals that i've ever done and i've done some pretty big ones i've done some that are like 40 and 60 million dollar deals they didn't start off that way but i spent my time digging to find out what exactly do they really need and because i was able to do that we're able to pull in all these other pieces so whether you're selling something you know that is very inexpensive let's say under a hundred dollars to some high ticket the concept is still the same you're you are there to listen and to help that customer understand your value and lead them by the hand so that you can get them to their end goal whatever their end goal might be now if you can't do it the best thing in the whole wide world is to say you know i wish i could help you but i can't but maybe this person i can refer you to can help you when you do that you build your integrity so much cuz when i've done that i end up getting so many referrals from that particular customer and eventually we'll find something that they'll be able you know to buy from me in the long term, only because they they know that I wasn't trying to basically jam, you know, a square peg into like a round hole, that I was really looking out for them.
0: I agree. It's like when you're in sales, be a networker, be a connector. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I did that with a client just a, a week or so ago. I'm, you know, going through my needs assessment, planning a campaign, and it it's more of a b2b type of sales industry he really wanted to target like attorneys and once i heard that i'm like wow i'm part of a chamber that has an attorney forum so immediately i told him i said well i'm putting together a campaign and i i know what i want to do for you to present to you but specifically what i heard you also talk about with attorneys I'm part of a chamber. They have an attorney's forum. Have you explored this chamber? Like, I'm not getting a sale out of this, you know, if he joins the chamber. Um, but I'm using what I know to lead and connect him. Again, I became that advisor, trusted advisor. So when I come back with a proposal, he's gonna look at it. Lori helped me before I she even got any sale from me.
1: Mm-hmm. She, Absolutely. you know, and I
0: made and he may choose not to run with me. But he's going to remember I connected with him, you know, a, a, a source that is going to help him and come back to me and he'll open my email again when I connect with him again or send me a referral. So I I, I think that's why I love sales is I look at it as constant networking and connecting with people and connecting. Absolutely. Yeah. Connecting the dots for other people too. You become Absolutely. trusted. It's all part sales. I have a feeling I would really enjoy like hours with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love sales talk. That's kind of I like, do too. I do too. Because kind of you know almost. what? I don't <laughs> want people to be. I don't want people to be scared of it. I want them to understand. Because remember, I had, I had said that you know, there's four types of selling. So there's the slimy, the spammy. There's the scared selling for people who are like so scared because they're just focusing on themselves and they feel like you know, they're, they're, you know, people know when you're scared in selling. And then the last one is the noble selling, which is what you and I are talking about. The noble selling is, is when you get that person to their end goal. You care more about them than you do about your commission. And it's a win-win scenario where you both win. Your customer wins because they get what it is that they want and you win. As well too, and that's the thing about sales, you know, and and pricing and everything else. Every, people have to understand it always needs to be a win win scenario, because if you're not winning as a salesperson, but your customer is winning everything, eventually you are not. You know, let's say you lower your price so much that you make virtually almost no commission, or or you're a a, a business owner and you make no profit, you're not going to be in business for very long. If it's the other way around, where you are the one that's only winning because you're getting this big fat commission check or you're making a lot of money, but your customer's not getting what they want, that's a big loss too. They won't be your customer for long. You won't get a referral from them. You know, there's a lot attached to that. So if if it's think of the you know this what is it the scales of justice? You know where it's it, where it's balanced. That's where it always needs to set where everybody wins.
0: I have a question about spammy selling because I'm probably guilty of this. You know, I I bet, you know, be honest with yourself. We probably are all, all are if we have email, you know, um, how, what, what's the gray area there when you do have to kind of mass send out a message, but it's not spammy. So, I mean, I guess I, you know, I understand phishing and the whole deal, but a lot of times, like I have customers and I they kind of are return customers because I do events. Mm-hmm. So I do use tools like Eventbrite and it's an email notification and it's not necessarily personalized. Or I do a group email. Here's my schedule. Let me know what you want to do. And then I'll go back individually. You know, you participate in this event. Do you want to renew do we just need to stop that because everybody is doing it but at the same time how do you reach out to 200 people without yeah. spending 3 days on one-on-one emails and appointments
1: So what you're talking about is not a terrible spammy sale selling that's not terrible The real terrible ones like for example I have this very vivid in my mind right now is you know social media platforms like for example LinkedIn I'm on LinkedIn I have Quite a few um, folks that are following me on LinkedIn I and people that try to connect with me. So I get, I don't even know how many messages a day of people trying to sell me something. They don't know who I am. In many cases, what's really interesting is they're trying to sell me what I sell. So they haven't even looked at my profile. So you know nothing about your potential customer, your potential prospect. So you're just spamming, you are just randomly putting all this out, you know, contacting people without even knowing who they are. What's better is to do more of a, what I call a connection campaign. So a connection campaign is you reach out, but it's more specific, right? It's maybe for an event. Hey, I got this really great event that's going on. You know, I thought of you, it might be worth you taking a look at. And and you could send that to two hundred people or something like that, um, or even like individual things, even on social media. Like for example, yesterday, you know, I have a potential prospect, and um, she had written something. I sent her a voice note back, um, and I said, to her, you know, I really appreciate you. What you said here really resonated with me, you know, and and let them know, you know, it's like a touch, right." just think about you're touching that person, a gentle touch, like, Hey, I'm thinking about you today, or, Hey, I saw this article that might be of interest to you. You know, it's a con- a connection campaign. That's not spamming is that you are doing things that are a little bit more specific. Can you do that in a group? Absolutely. Like for example, in, in you know, most email um, platforms out there, you can slice and dice, your email list so it's so specific what you send out to them is so specific to what their needs are and you'll know that as far as like let's say you have an online business you'll know that based off of like how do they come in did they get your lead magnet you know did they attend one of your seminars you know that have certain topics those people get tagged in that so you know oh gosh this person needs help in a discovery call or maybe this person needs help in setting pricing because they they got my lead magnet about pricing or something like that so then you have a very specific message to those people but yet that could still be 200 you know 2000 people whatever it is that you're sending out to people it's more specific it's still touching them in a way that doesn't feel icky.
0: No, I like that. Yeah. Never, never those (laughs) icky sales. I mean, yeah, trying to personally. icky sales. (laughs) Oh boy. You know what? It's so funny. It, you know, going back, this is about the boardroom. I mean, the days I remember some old boardroom moments and advertising at the newspaper, I remember one person said, You know, sometimes I sit across the person and I talk to them and I just sit there and I'm quiet and I stare at them because the first person who speaks loses. Mm -hmm. And I still remember that. And I actually, I
1: hate that. I hate that. I don't agree with that. I
0: don't think that's the first person,
1: it's some, if you are, um, I think that's more negotiations. I think that that's, that's a negotiation strategy, um, and I've definitely used that. I oh, think you sometimes have. you 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 sit back and you listen. Well, sure. But I, I think it's you, almost
0: cocky, like oh, because he spoke, he loses.
1: <laughs> well, um, it, sometimes it's it's um, you know some of these people, especially up in the higher echelons, they like to play games. They love to test you. Um, I I remember very distinctly. <laughs> <laughs> um where we i basically had a a silent face off that we both did that and we both knew exactly what we were doing and this was a ceo of a company and eventually he spoke and he goes oh my gosh you're just too good <laughs> you you are just too good okay okay you know cuz he i don't know he was um, I, I had given him the absolute best deal that I could possibly give him, not only in in value and pricing and everything that was associated with it, and he knew how good our company was and and what it was and how good I was, but he was just trying to be a little squirmy worm and see what else he could try to you know beat out of beat out of us and so you know and he's he was ex-sales so it was kind of like i was sparring with like another salesperson and we both knew it so but that that is that's where that you know the first person who speaks wins the other thing in negotiations is the first person who shows emotion it i'm sorry the first person who speaks loses and then it's also the same thing the first person who shows emotion also loses because again sometimes at some very high levels um things get hot like they really get hot um and there's a lot of emotions attached to it and you have to be cute you know cool as a cucumber
0: maybe that's why i can't get my daughter to clean her room i show the emotion (laughs) because you actually even said something about the you know the benefits of things and uh i automatically started thinking of the negotiation with my daughter, I'm doing it wrong. Clean your room, clean your room. And I show emotion. Therefore I lose because I tell her I hate walking in her room. It puts me in a bad mood automatically. But what I have not done is talk to her about the benefits of a clean room. So you're very good at reframing things and making people look at things differently. You're, you're making me look at that negotiation tactic a little bit differently. I've been holding on to that with a grudge for, you know, eighteen years. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I need to be a little more forgiving of that and the whole I help, you know, all right, I'll be more forgiving of that. I just want, you know, i'll 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 replace the word in my head. I don't need to make that person do it. Um, because I want important. you to start
1: thinking the next time you don't like that I help. I want you to think that you're on a crosswalk and there's a little old lady and you're helping that little old lady who's like 95, let's say she's 95, there's a lot of traffic. You're helping her walk across the street. I want you to visualize that. You will probably never go, okay, I hate that word help <laughs> again. You're right. I'm just stubborn.
0: <laughs> I'm so stubborn. I get something pictured in my head and I'm, I'm yuck. You know, I don't drop the yuck very much, but. <laughs> so as we wrap up here, Um, you know, people who are scared to sell sometimes don't ask for the sale. Mm -hmm. What, and since we do use a lot of email, do you have like a signature close that you like to do to kind of close the deal? Asking for the
1: sale in, in email or in, in person email or in person? Um, well, for me in person, it gets to the point. Like it's very rare that I have to ask for the sale in person. They see the amount of value and how I work with them and all of that. Usually people are like, okay, how do I do this? What do we need to do to the next move to the next step? But that also has to do with, you have to be able to read the room. Mm. You know where that customer is. Because if you have to, you know, be very blatant and ask for the sale, this, and I'm talking about via zoom and um in person you haven't read the room right um uh, because they're going to be giving you signals buying signals all along if they're not giving you those buying signals you still got to keep on digging so it'll get to the point where they'll be like i'm ready let's let's do this this is such a great program i love working with you i want to move forward to the next thing um i think if it's online Let's say via email or something like that. What I do is I, you know, bottom of my email, not in every email, I do this probably every every fifth to sixth email. I'll put something in there as a PS. Hey, PS. You know, if you you know, if you want to learn more about something, whatever that might be, let's say I have an event going on or something like that. Or it can be, hey, you can um you can book a uh, a 20 minute session with me and I will help you um, strategize to get your lowest hanging fruit and put my calendar link in there. That's not, you know, and I'm not saying I'm going to close you. I'm not going to do any of that because typically I don't, you know, I don't um, close somebody. Like I don't pressure them. I help them with whatever problem they're having. And again, it's the same thing. They go, wow, I never thought about it that way. Okay. How can I work with you is usually the next step
0: i saw the little old lady twice when you just finished out that sentence yeah you help you help i saw the little old lady so thank you for doing that (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right so tell us about your podcast the professional rule breaker
1: yes so i yeah so i have this podcast called the professional rule breaker it's targeted towards entrepreneurs and high growth companies and what i do is i bring other rule breakers on the show that are successful and they give their secrets on what they did and also I usually end up asking them okay so what makes you a rule breaker and nine times out of 10 they're like well you know I just I don't like the status quo I like thinking outside the box I like doing things different is usually one of their answers but then they tell how they did it and so you're able to pick up like You know, my goal is always people to get one to two tips in every single podcast, you know, that they can go, oh gosh, I never thought about that. I can put that into my own business. So I'm on all streaming um, platforms. It's under The Professional Rule Breaker. You can find me everywhere that um, podcasts are heard. And yeah, I would absolutely love people to listen to an episode. We always have fun too. That's the other thing. That's my rule in business. I'm always like, if it's not fun, why do it? And so there's always going to be some funny stuff, some laughs or something that happens nine times out of 10 in the podcast. Well,
0: breaking rules can be fun, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, it absolutely can. And breaking rules is not about breaking the law. No, breaking it's boundaries, that- like breaking boundaries.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's quite okay to do it. Your kids do it all the time. You can do it too. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, Kathy, for our podcast listeners, of course, in show notes, I will have all of your links of how to find you, including your podcast for our audio only listeners here on the radio. What's the best way to connect with you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, they can go to www.theprofessionalrulebreaker.com. And if you would like to get a kind of a cheat sheet of some questions that maybe you should be thinking about when you're selling, you can go to theprofessionalrulebreaker Forward slash ultimate.
0: Very good. Always have that cheat sheet. And I'm going to go there and definitely see what, what you suggest and, you know, get out of your comfort zone in sales. Even if you're a fantastic salesperson, mm-hmm. you know, take a look at what other people are doing. You might want to like adopt one little thing, oh, know, throw absolutely. it in your mix.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really important for people to have mentors. I had the best mentor who ended up being a, a CEO of a publicly traded company. He wasn't that when I first met with him, but when I first met with him, I was terrified, like really terrified. I was sitting out in the car going, I don't know if I can go in there. I'm scared to death. But I pushed myself, you know, to step outside my boundary. This was when I was brand spanking new to sales and I didn't know what I was doing. So he was the most amazing mentor and taught me everything I know about sales and negotiations
0: and i my tip is going to be practice 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 even don't practice a pitch i don't like to call it a pitch but have these discussions with people that even if you don't feel they're qualified to purchase your product but you just want to talk feel it out see what their needs are you can practice that part absolutely you can practice the listening and pulling out their needs and you never know what you're going to discover because If you sound rehearsed and that you're going down a checklist, you know, there's that typical needs assessment. You have to do this, this, and this, but the more you do it and just listen, have a natural conversation, you're going to slide that paper aside. And then Mm -hmm. when you walk away, you're going to take all your notes because, you know, definitely go back to your office or go back to the computer and, you know, with some notes that you've made, don't try to remember all of it. But, (laughs) um, you know, the more you do it, the more comfortable, the more comfortable, you're going to get because this topic is about stopping scared to sell. Well, every time you get up on a stage or public speaking, it gets a little easier, a little easier, Absolutely. right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So, so keep it up. All right, Kathy, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our time together here today.
1: It's been my pleasure.
0: And you've been listening to The Boardroom.